In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, London. We're here with my co-host, Jack Duffin. Jack, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Um, loving life. Everything's going well. Browns undefeated in the preseason. Uh, East Oak, my local non-league football team, uh, top of the league. What could be any better than that? Well, it's, it's game day for us. Chelsea versus Man United. Zane Gonzalez versus Greg Joseph in a uh, kicker's fan EPL battle today. Yeah, you'll have to uh, tweet them both and uh, get a little bit of a rivalry going on. Good good point, mate. I might do that straight away now, actually. Um, but first of all, Jack, I'm really keen to get your view on uh, a couple of things, which is obviously Duke Johnson and the game on Thursday. And uh, Then I think we're going to go through and look at our predictions. It's probably three, four weeks away now until the 53-man roster gets broken down. And it'd be good to start actually looking at that and uh, who we actually see making the roster. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one in terms of the roster. But what one do you want to start with? Should I go with my Duke takes or should I go with the game? Duke, we got rid of Duke first. So um, should I start on that one? No, we're not a normal show. We do things different here. So let's go with the um, game first. That excites me more. So the game first. Um, The key thing was that first drive. Um, It always felt like it would just be the first drive that um, we would get to see the starters. And it wasn't all of them, but um, there was most of them. And it was great. Everything was really, really positive. It is a really bad Redskins team, so it's tough to gauge. Um, I was listening to Surviving the Season. They pointed out that it's possibly the worst grade ever for one of their own linemen. I think it was a 3.7 for PFF out of 100 uh, for his pass blocking grade, which uh, I've never seen anyone under 20 or 30 odd. So to get a 3.7 was epically bad. Um, but no, at the end of the day, there, there was lots of flashes of promise. Um, it's about can we do it consistently? And it's lots of these players, they're battling to just try and make the roster or try and make the pack practice squad because there's lots of those 90 players that they'll know they're not making the 53. They don't even really have a shot of it. But if they can make the practice squad, then that can be a massive life-changing um, moment. So good luck to them. Yeah, as always, you know this is one of my favourite times of the year, pre-season and also looking at the 53-man roster. And it is crazy when you think that a third of the players on the Brown roster at the moment, maybe more, won't be there in four weeks' time. Yeah, it's a crazy one. You usually got about 65 players, I would say, is sort of the rough number of what is actually competing to make the roster. You've then probably got, out of those 10 or so that miss out, maybe another 10 that's competing for practice squad spots. And then there's, yeah, I'd say another 20 that there's no one's ever even considering even putting them on the practice squad. Um, They're there just to make up numbers of camp. Yeah, and just to uh, go into a little bit more detail there, it's, you know, we're the... uh... 11th, 12th of August, it has to be in in 
basically end of August. So we're talking two, two and a half weeks away, actually, when you think about it. Yeah, there's still a lot of time for these players because what happens in practice is good, but when you can do it in the game, that's when you can really make your stamp and show that you belong. So, um, no, good, good luck to them. Um, who knows how it's going to go down, but um, it's certainly going to be exciting. Great. And uh, who, who really excited you? And let's break this down into maybe three uh, departments, the first team, second team, and the third team. Um, so the first team is... Garrett, I would say, excited me. I was surprised he was out there considering so many of the other starters were resting, but uh, he was phenomenal. Um, he, he is really um, going to be something special this year. Uh, he's got a lot more support along the D-line. We're obviously going to be ahead, which will be a massive factor um, because being ahead, he can just literally just go straight for the quarterback, not worry about defending the run. Um, and also the other factor is he's lost 25 pound and um, he's looking a little bit meaner and cleaner, which uh, I didn't think was possible, but he's gone and done it. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think there's potentially a defensive MVP. You, he's got no chance at the MVP stats. That's always a quarterback, but defensive MVP, I think he's got a solid chance there. He seems mentally up for it this year. Yeah, I, th- I think... A big advantage is going to be the rotation. He won't play as many snaps as last year, and that's going to mean he's actually going to be so much better than last year because the trouble with last year is that he was playing so many snaps that he was knackered. Um, no player should be playing over sort of 66% of snaps um, because you want them fresh on that D-line. And I'm just talking about D-line players there. You want them fresh because they've got to be getting penetration on every snap. And if you're playing 80-plus snaps, you're never going to be able to get penetration on every snap. Yeah. Uh, it popped up when watching the preseason game. He's the Browns player of the most sacks. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a monster. He is an absolute monster. Um, and he's going to get chances where he's going from the inside this year. So um, he's going to flip inside, bring like Avery out on the edge. And um, yeah, spice it up. Excellent. All right, and uh, second team, any players that stick out for you there? Uh, Mac Wilson obviously had an incredible game. He was the number one rated, um, I spoke to John Costco, number one rated PFF player week one, offense, defense for any team in the NFL. So he had an absolute day. Um, There was three passes aimed his way. He intercepted two of them. Um, If he keeps them numbers up forever, he'll have uh, all the linebacker stats by probably the end of his third season. Um, but uh, no, it was absolute. What a day to start! Um, really, really impressed with the lad. Yeah, excellent. And uh, what about? Mate, it's quite interesting though. Um, it's great having you back on the show because you just tell us with all these facts. Like that would that would have skipped well past me that fact. So, um, and on the um, offense side, um, the offensive side, <laughs> Gilbert was better than I thought it'd be. Stanton was worse than I thought it'd be but that doesn't really bother me. Um, at the end of the day, if Baker goes down for more than two games, to quote the older uh, Colts head coach, we're fucked. <laughs> and it's as simple as that. If you, if you lose Baker for more than two games, it's over anyway, and who really cares? So um, it's all about keeping Baker upright and safe. Um, I still have concerns over the tackle play. Um, I think Baker's going to get hit a lot more. He was dropping a lot more checkdowns and things, which is really good. Um, because there is going to be that space for the Njokus, um, the Landrys, the Chubs to really get in there and catch balls. So um, there's going to be some exciting stuff there. 
I, I still fear that um, as we try to play more downfield and get more wide receivers on the field than we did last year, because we are going to play more 11 personnel than we did, that uh, potentially there's going to be more chances Baker gets hit because there's not going to be as much keeping the tight ends in or even as much chipping them. And I, I, I always have my tight ends chipping just to give that extra little small amount of time for Baker to make a quick decision. Let's go back and think the worst. And I'm touching wood. We hope Baker plays all 16 games or 15 has a rest at the end once we've got to the uh, playoffs. But if Baker did go down, I would probably, with the weapons we've got, would want Garrett to play and, um, and, and, and just go for it. And I can't see why we can't be an 8-18 eight and 18 with someone like uh, uh, Garrett in our, as a quarterback. Is that Gilbert? Gilbert, sorry, Gilbert Garrett. Sorry, Gilbert. I, would, I would still go Stanton at the minute. Stanton um, has a solid enough winning record. Um, obviously, it's that connection with the players. Um, he's, that's going to develop if he's training with them all the time. He doesn't get that many training snaps, um, which is expected. We need Baker to get everything he can, especially with the first team. So I, I think Stanton would be a lot better. I'm not going to judge him on just that small amount of game, but you, you're not going to have someone carry him look look at Nick Foles Nick Foles was painted as some hero and some fantastic quarterback we saw last season the guy was dog absolute dog he was awful he, I wouldn't even want him as a backup quarterback on my team based on his performances in the preseason last year he, he couldn't throw to save his life so it, that was a lot of luck there's a lot of hype around what a backup quarterback can do for you nah unless you've got a load of excess sort of first round picks because you went sashy on it then um by all means, pick up a second quarterback and have a rookie quarterback floating around as well. Um, if your squad is that loaded and you're putting in two, three first-round picks every year like I'd like and what the plan should have been, then um, go for it. But no, if, if your quarterback goes down for sort of more than two games, you, you're probably it. And, and if, if you're then taken into the playoffs on the back of a, rookie, a uh, backup quarterback, you've got better odds of winning the lottery, I'd say. Just the way it is. Keep Baker safe. That's the Come number on, one job. Keep Baker safe. Yeah, and what do we need to do that? A strong O-line. Yeah, I think the middle of the O-line's great. Um, we'll come on to it. I have got no issue with Kush coming in. I think Kush is great. He had the best pass-blocking grade, um, and it is all about pass-blocking. I don't give a monkey's how our run um, O-line is. As long as we can pass the ball and keep Baker safe, Running will take care of itself. Just do it against light boxes and um, when you've got short yardage situations. But uh, the centre's strong. Betonio, Tretta, um, Kush, I've got no issue with. I don't trust either of our tackles. Ooh. Mate, look, I think look at the last games at the end of last season, looking after Baker. I've got a lot of faith in our, uh, got a lot of faith in our uh, uh, O-line. Yeah, well, but... I think if you delve in on the numbers, PFF slated both of them, um, didn't give them great grades. It's just sort of, I'd say, average, below average. Um, we were putting in a lot of tight end sets and we're not going to be running as much two tight ends because we're not going to be benching Landry um, the, of, a lot for lots of snaps to put OBJ and Higgins out there. It's just not going to happen. Um, so we're going to have more three wide receiver sets. We're going to have four wide receiver sets, no doubt, especially when Callaway's back. Um, so we're not going to be blocking and playing the way we were. We're going to have a lot more times when we're going to go big, which is going to be exciting. 
but that's going to leave Baker slightly more exposed than the second half of last season. Now, the real deep third uh, tier, third team, Browns. What players stood out for you? Um, I, d- I don't know if anyone really stood out for me. Um, I, d- I, I don't really remember a moment when I went, yeah, that, that guy was really, really good. Um, there was a few of them that had odd little flashes, but nothing. I'm, I'm going to just shrug my shoulders and say, I need to see more on all of them. I, I didn't really see anyone in the third lot that made me go, wow, that's someone that's going to be a game changer and will make the roster. For me, it was the um, uh, Devron Lawrence. Uh, defensive tackle, um, depth there. Someone that I've been moaning about all summer that I don't reckon we've got enough depth there, but someone like him, I think we traded for a seventh round from the Packers. And um, yeah, he's looking um, looking uh, really good. So um, he's one person. And obviously the man in Hollywood at the moment, uh, Damien Giuseppe. We can talk about him a bit later on, but yeah, I, I want to know, do you think he's going to get to the roster? And yeah, maybe, maybe we move on. To that. I think, I think touch on him now, just because he, he yeah. obviously deserves, because it's been so much in the news, more of a, a longer discussion than some of the other players. I would be shocked if he makes the roster. The only, uh, I'll put a slight caveat on that. Callaway's obviously going to miss the first four weeks on the roster. Um, so there'll be sort of, you carry six wide receivers. It's, the average in the NFL, looking over the last three years, the average is 5.7. So work on the basis we're carrying six. We're obviously going to have that seventh wide receiver on there for four weeks while Callaway comes back. So he could sneak in there. It's effectively an extra wide receiver. But in terms of making the 53 once you include Callaway, I just can't see it. Um, there, For me, just you've got a 45-man active game day roster. Do you take a player that just does punt returns? No, um, it's just you need to be able to fill another position hole. I think he's got a cracking chance of making the practice squad this year with the hope that he can develop his wide receiver game across this season and then next year have a real shot at getting fifth or sixth wide receiver. Unless he's going to show a massive promise in the special teams angle, which I'm not sure he can um, other than his returning I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, I, I really think he's got a fantastic shot of making the practice squad with the hope over the next year they can develop his wide receiver play. And, and it's something I think he knows as well. If you read any of his pieces, he's been begging his coaches for a long time to teach him and build his wide receiver game. Um, if you're just a punt returner, for me, you're never going to make the 45-man roster. So why would you be on the 53-man roster? And that's unfortunately just the way the game works. Yeah, really good point, Jack. Um, but let's let's park the uh, uh, offense roster right now, and let's talk about two things. What is your views on uh, Duke Johnson? So I was shocked we got that much. Um, I think it's a fantastic um, trade in terms of the value. Um, it's a fourth increase into a third. I believe the clause is he's got to be on the active roster for ten weeks of the season, um, which I think is incredibly doable. Um, I, I, I think it's a cracking deal. Um, if we had got a fifth and it, it potentially increased to a fourth, I would have said that's probably fair value. Um, to get a fourth increase into a third is brilliant. Um, I don't know if we've taken advantage just because they don't have a GM and everything's a bit up in the air. I think um, Bill O'Brien's been a bit desperate um, just because his job might be on the line if they have a bad season. 
Um, there's a lot of promise there, but they're coming to the end of the Deshaun Watson rookie era. And once that ends, then suddenly you have to pay him a lot of money and your team gets worse. They haven't got an O-line and <laughs> that really needs to be addressed. So I'm happy we got what we got from him. I think it was a very disappointing episode from the start. It all went wrong at the um, Kareem Hunt press conference when the final question, he was asked about Duke Johnson. He basically just threw him under the bus um, and said, um, what was the line? It was like something... Um, he's not surplus to requirements yet or um, he's not expendable yet or whatever the line was, there was no need to do it publicly. By all means, every player knows there's moves to trade and sign players and other stuff behind the scenes. It's just not doing it publicly because you can email the other 31 GMs in the league and you can have a chat and they might leak out the rumours. You just don't do it in a front-facing press conference and throw someone under the bus. It's just not a good way to behave. There's been reports over the last sort of five, six, seven years that it is the way Dorsey operates. Kevin Zeitler was traded and he basically found out on social media. That's not good. Um, it's not the way you should be doing business. It's not a way you attract free agents. And um, We've seen that there's been several free agents we've tried to sign and they haven't signed for Cleveland. Is that a factor? No one knows. But I, I would hope that we move to a more professional um, way that shows the players the true respect they deserve. Yes, they're all pieces and they can be traded at any point. That's part of the NFL, but there's no need to treat people like dirt. So good luck to Duke Johnson. I question whether he should have ever been re-signed. He was just off sort of top 10 running back contracts last year, which is overpaying for a player that we couldn't really work out where he is in the offense. I would never give anything other than a basement deal to a uh, veteran running back enjoy them for the first four years and you let them walk um, I'll be disappointed if we sign Kareem Hunt or we sign Chubb to an extension um, enjoy their rookie years and let them hit free agency because anytime you sign a running back to a veteran deal you're going to get mugged off two three years four years down the line because running back mortality rate there's a brilliant article on it um, on uh, where did uh, Mark Schofield used to write or currently writes um, uh, uh, it will come back to me but there's a brilliant if you google just running back mortality rate there's a brilliant article by the age of about 28 they're generally on the de sharp decline so um, don't pay them enjoy their rookie years and move on because there's so many good running backs that they're so easily replaceable it's not the fact that running backs are so bad it's running backs there's so many good ones that you can just chip them into and bring in a new one and everything just works uh, look, is it Philip Lindsay? Philip Lindsay, yes, another fantastic example. Ito Smith. Um, yeah, there, there's loads of them. Yeah, okay, great. All right, and the last 30-second headlines view on Antonio Callaway. It's not a surprise. Um, I'd really, really recommend the uh, podcast that it was yesterday or the day before from Surviving the Season. I learned an, a lot in that, talking about how the drug policy works. And um, this obviously isn't the second time that Callaway's been caught since he's been in the league. He would have had the diluted sample at the combine. And then I think he must have had something in between since then. If it is just weed, um, those guys broke it down to some really, really good work. But um, this is not a surprise. We discussed it on like one of our first ever shows. Um, we were discussing how long it's going to be till he gets banned. Um, and that's just part of having him on the roster. The minute you choose and you decide to draft players with domestic violence issues, with drug issues, they're going to backfire at times. And that, that is a Dorsey special. Um, he's got a lot of success with it, 
but these players are around for a, a good time, but not a long time. So, um, hey, what will be will be. Um, I think we just need to be really brave as a team. And if he messes up again, then just let him go. We're not here to pick up his pieces. I don't want another Josh Gordon stuff. I think one of the best things Dorsey did early on was get rid of Josh Gordon. Um, you don't need people like that in the building. Um, keep the talent that wants to be here and wants to play. And if he doesn't want to play in the NFL, then good luck to him. He can go find another job. It's really interesting, Jack. On the Paul Brown podcast, we've got a cap specialist in Jack Duffin. Surviving the season. They're drug experts. So, uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> they've got a true drug niche. <laughs> what they don't know about drugs. <laughs> the number one drug Browns podcast, Surviving the Season. No, so, uh, yeah, mate, I'm going to go for a run in a minute. I'll listen to their uh, podcast and learn everything I need to know about drugs and uh, go from there. Uh, Callaway for myself, real shame. I was expecting him to fall off the rails at some point. He seems to get bullied by the Browns. Like last year, he messed up and he had to play every single snap. It's, he's come back a bit out of shape. So being put down to like the second and thirds, you know, I think he's got, this is a massive wake up call for him. It's either now or never basically for him. Yeah. I wonder if the out of shape stuff was because him and the team knew this was coming. Um, I don't know if that's a factor. Um, but he's apparently got a high ankle sprain, which is just ironic, the fact that it's high um, and the drug issues. But uh, no, he's going to miss that time anyway. So um, he'll um, hopefully this will really clear his head and he can focus. Um, the team can really get him some help and he can uh, behave. There's going to be people listening to this going, oh, well, he's taking weed. Who cares? The players signed up to the deal to have this. If the players want to take it out, they can take it out. Weed is not a forced requirement by law into the collective bargaining agreement. The players and owners have it in there. If the players want to get rid of weed and the bans that come with weed, they just have to give something up. So it might be a slower increase in the NFL salary cap. It might be something else. They've got to choose what they want to give up if they want to take weed out of the collective bargaining agreement. And they've got the chance to do it very soon. Um, it's just, do the players want to get rid of it? And I would say the majority of players that abide by the rules they would rather get paid more than take weed out of the collective bargaining agreement. So I don't see it moving anytime soon. And that's it's squarely on the players. It's the player's choice of whether they want to get banned for this stuff. The owners aren't going to give players a free ticket and easy ride. Um, they're just going to keep testing if players want to play more games, if they want to uh, take less money or s not take less money, but slower increase in the NFL salary cap, then they can get weed straight out. That is not something the owner is going to be that worried about removing from the collective bargaining agreement, but it's going to be on the players to decide what they want to give up. And I just can't see there's enough players that want or have a weed issue that they would like to um, reduce whatever power they want to increase. It might be injury guarantees. It might be other stuff in the uh, new CBA. All right, Jack. Well, uh, drug expert, been listening too much, surviving the season. Oh, they, they had a fantastic debate on that. And that's where uh, I think they make a brilliant point of uh, everything in the CBA is up for negotiations. But if you're an owner, you're not going to uh, willingly give away one of uh, your big cards just because you feel like it. It's negotiations at the end of the day. And these are massive, massive business people. All right, mate. Well, I'm giving you a little 30 second break. I want you, if you've got time, to try and find the tweet you said 
I will shave off my hair if any of these undrafted free agents will make the roster. I don't know if you can find it anywhere. Um, so it had been the ones where um, it was just the, um, I think it was 11 that we signed to. Um, it was the players on the practice squad last year, I think, that we signed and kept. So um, it's something I'm sure we can find. Maybe offline, find it, and um, we'll have a look at it and see if I've got any chance of saving my hair. Yeah, I wonder how many are even still in on the Browns roster. If any. But um, I'll, I'll start with the O-line, and um, I'll just start with a piece uh, Jake Burns did, and you can see if you've got any input on this at all. So Jake's gone with um, Robinson, Betonio, Tretter, Cush, Hubbard, with three reserves, interior, Corbett, Weissman, swing tackle, Lamb with Forbes on the practice squad. How does that look to you? Any, any um, differences you can think of? I'll hold my hands up. I was just uh, searching for that tweet. It's just told me. Hit me uh, with the names again. Uh, Greg Robinson, Betonio, Tretter, Cush, Hubbard as your starting uh, O-line. Then the three reserves, Corbett, Weissman, and the swing tackle as, as Lamb. Yeah, it's... Um... I think those ones are pretty much a lock in there. I think there's then the debate on the um, extra O linemen. So looking at the last three NFL seasons, and this is all 32 rosters, the average is 8.9 for O linemen on the roster. So I'm going to make the claim that there's actually going to be another O lineman on that roster. It could be some. It could be Forbes. It could be Callis. It could be someone else. I think we're going to take nine. Um, because I think there's potentially changes coming over the next couple of years. They're going to want as much talent there and hope they really develop someone. So uh, I think it's nine. Uh, is it Callis? Is it Forbes that also makes the uh, nine? I think that's the question that's uh, on people's lips. Mm. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be really interesting. I think at the moment, my only question mark would be uh, Weissman, what I've seen of him as a fan rather than a specialist i haven't been blown away but yeah prove me wrong yeah no it's um it's one of them but you, you, with the backups you um o-lineman i they can't do much sexy stuff um it's one of the sort of rare positions that if you don't notice them then they're probably doing a good job it's the only time you really notice people on the o-line is when they make a mistake and your quarterback gets quarterback gets smashed so um the fact that I haven't really spotted any of them on the O-line, um, it probably means they're doing okay. Let's naturally move to the uh, callback room. Uh, Baker, Stanton, and my mate Gilbert. About Blau practice squad, maybe, if we're going to waste a spot on a practice squad. I don't know. Um, oh, I, th- I think they'll probably be the case of maybe a fourth quarterback there's certainly going to be at least three um between the roster and the practice squad 2.5 is the um last three years nfl average so i think it's going to be three i think gilbert will make it um and yeah i, th- I think that's going to be an interesting one maybe across the year um if they feel much better with gilbert and gilbert overtakes stanton then stanton will just stay till the end of this year and then uh They'll bring someone else and probably draft someone next year on uh, day three. Ooh, interesting view. 
that means they're going to stay with Baker Mayfield and give him a huge contract, Jack. They are going to give him an eye-wateringly big contract. And uh, hopefully he deserves it at that point because he's got a few rings. Okay, great. Let's go wide receiver. And this is obviously a bit more bigger, more depth. We've obviously got Landry, OBJ, Higgins. I think they're all locked on. And then there's some uncertainty, obviously, around Callaway, Ratley, Strong, and all the rest of the uh, second and third tier uh, wide receivers with Derek Willies looking like a good chance of making the roster. Yeah, so what are we are we working on counting Callaway as sort of... The average for the league is 5.7, so I'm going to say we take six. Um, yeah. Are we counting Callaway, or are we going to do... Um, name seven and then announce which one we're going to cut when Callaway comes back. Well, that's a really good point. Yeah, let's go with um, let's go with seven and who we're going to cut. So, should we just discount the first three Higgins, OBJ, and Landry? Yeah, and throw Callaway in for four. Um, and then yeah, it's just who's your other three? I'm going to go with Derek Willies. I'm going to probably go with. Hyman and Strong. Yeah, they're, they're the three I also go with with Hyman getting cut because um, I think it's Willie's, I would say, at the moment, our fourth um, wide receiver with Callaway now suspended and then Strong comes in next. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I think it's basically between them sort of Montgomery, Ratley, Hyman, Baker, um, between them four, who can do most on special teams? If any of them can be special teams, aces of sort of getting down the field quick, tackling well, then uh, they, they stand a really good shot. Do you think there's any benefit of not taking Strom because he's more expensive, more experienced, and then taking maybe a, a younger wide receiver to save a little bit of cap or maybe for potential further trade value? I don't know. I don't think you're really going to get any trade value for any of them. But um, in terms of cap, I think it's so small that if you think you can get something out of Strong, and there was a lot of promise around Strong, um, was it two years ago? Um, but he's had, a, he's had a lot of injuries, so we might never really see anything from him. But I think it's one of them that they're willing to take a punt. I'm just trying to find out what his deal is. Uh, his deal was only 720000 so the amount of cap saving between them is negligible. Um, I, I think they just take whoever they're ha most happy with in the top sort of six, seven. Um, and then I, I think it's Willies and Strong, Callaway, Higgins, Landry and OBJ. I do want to stress at this point at the time of the year, and we've seen it before with like last year with uh, linebackers, we start the season so excited for solid linebackers. Kindrig, Schobert, um, Joe, and who do we have last year? Jamie Collins. And then a couple of games in, we've got two linebackers. So this could happen with the wide receiver room. We could be having four of four of these names that are still left with injuries and stuff. So um, I think it's so important that we keep watching this three tiers of Browns football and seeing each, each last roster spot, spot really counts. Yeah, no, I, th I think it's one of them. It's a wild time of year where everything can change on a needlehead and they might see something in some practice that 
we have no idea about um, but makes the difference for them. And um, no, really good luck to some of these players because they might not make it with us. Hopefully they make it with somebody. And um, yeah, see what happens. There's a lot of them, it's, it might be the only shot they ever get. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for them all. We obviously can't take them all. Yeah, it's a really good point. We can't take them all. So, uh, And like I said at the start of the show, a third of them have to go. Let's move on to the uh, running back uh, position. I'm seeing, obviously, Chubb, Hilliard, and then I'm going to go with Johnson, and that's not Duke. Yeah, it's an interesting one. So 4.4 is the average, but I can't see us taking um, any more than that. I'm going to throw in... um, Orson Charles. I haven't really seen much of any of them in preseason, but I'm going to drop him in as fullback um, because he's the only one on the uh, depth chart. But we did sign someone, um, I think, two days ago um, who is a fullback. Yeah, from the uh, Packers, uh, the name slipped to me. But um, yeah, he's, he's Gray. A, uh, we'll uh, we'll Google it as we carry on talking. Yeah. But yeah, fullback, and then there's. Obviously, three um, three running backs. Who would be your third uh, running back? Um, it's uh, well, I think Johnson is the most likely to take it, and then he's gone as soon as um, Kareem Hunt then comes back. So um, he's there just making up numbers. But I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I I think they might go out and sign someone. I think um, is it Chris Ivory's out there? Jay Joy, he is a potential one that they could go to but I think he'd be more sensible than just to take a one-year deal but he might take a one-year deal just because he knows he's going to get some light rotation and uh, if we're willing to give him a little bit of money he can then redeem himself and then go hit free agency again Man, I can't believe you're saying this you're saying we're gonna we should spend money extra money on a running back oh I'm, I'm talking basement I wouldn't be giving him any more than the um, minimum so I'm talking less than a mil um we're going to have to, not a, yeah, less than a mil. So we, I would guess, sign somebody. I don't think they're going to keep with Johnson. Um, I think they're going to look for someone else. I think if we still had Duke, they wouldn't bother signing anyone. They'd be happy with um, Hilliard as um, third choice. I think Dorsey's going to go out and sign someone. Um, just sort of some veteran player just to take some battering through the middle. Um, I, I wouldn't mind if JHI wants to get back in. Um, he might start the season on pup, so it might be someone that we sign after a week or two. He, he'll probably just want to find a team, take some snaps, and um, get the wheels rolling. So he could be one to keep an eye on. But uh, no, Chris Ivory, um, anyone out there, just uh, pick them up. Basement, I literally mean vet minimum. Anyone getting more than vet minimum, no, I'm not interested. Um, and then just see what happens. One-year deal, let them go at the end of the year because, hey, we might have a... a one final year of Kareem Hunt on the cheap, which uh, could be quite nice. Mate, yeah, really interesting, mate. I thought Jay Ajayo, I can't pronounce it. but um, He would, fellow Brit, um, I thought he'd be on like 5 million. But no, he's his career average is less than a million. I didn't realise that. That's because this is rookie deal. So um, he, ah. he, he's got the chance to go out and earn some money now. But um, he needs to get back onto a team just for... Um, a while just to show that his knee's healthy and everything's good to roll. So um, I, I think he's going to go sort of just get picked up and then uh, we'll see what happens to him. So uh, 
Who knows? Did Jay train? Yeah, even in 2017, looking at his cap numbers, 325,000. I know injury, but it's cheap, uh, isn't it? I, th- I think it's just to do with his uh, contracts and everything else. Let me just pull it up. Going a good old over the cap. You're the expert on this, not me. So, um, his cap number, yeah, it was 325. I don't know if it's because he was cut mid... I think he was cut mid-season. So, um, that might be the issue there. Um, what happened in 2017? He was either cut mid-season or um, he weren't injured because he had probably got paid. Um, I don't remember what happened to him in the 2017 season. Then he got 1.9 last year, which was the uh, tender um, to keep him there. So, um, no, uh, oh, it might have been stacked against his um, the money the Dolphins, because he might have been claimed as waivers. So, I think he was actually on the 615, but um, the dead money from the Dolphins was still paid to him. So, I think that might be what factors there. But... Um, no, at the end of the day, he's uh, now able to go get a contract. Um, good luck to him. And um, who knows what he's going to get. It's, it's always an interesting one. Um, so uh, who, who knows? I think he just wants to sign a deal with somebody and um, have some fun for a year, get, get a little bit of money, show he's healthy, and then uh, he'll get paid. Yeah. All right. And then the uh, last position, tight end room. Uh, yeah, go on. So just flicking back to the average, the average is 3.4. Obviously, that's counting sort of Orson Charles as a uh, part of the backs room, um, which he's fundamentally a fullback in my eyes now. I don't think he's really in the tight end rotation. So you're looking at three or four. Um, you've got Njoku, you've got Demetrius Harris. I think it might be the end of Sefta Valve, however much that hurts. Um, I just don't know if health's ever going to be on his side. I'm. I don't even know if they want to take um, your namesake, P. Brown. Um, I didn't really see anything from him in the uh, Redskins game, so I think Njoku and Harris are in there. It wouldn't surprise me if they go looking for some other names, especially if Sefteval isn't healthy. Yeah, to be fair to Mr. P. Brown, he's been having a great camp, and uh, yeah, a lot of people been pleased with what he said. I said it after watching the, the full game. The tight ends didn't get a real say in the game. So, um, yeah, let's just see there. I reckon uh, P. Brown makes the uh, the final um, third spot. That's my view at the moment. Yeah, um, I think it's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, there was obviously a lot of use of multiple tight end sets last year. Um, I think that will be the case with Njoku and um, Harris, but I don't know how many other names roll in there. But uh, it's certainly exciting times. There's a lot more depth of talent, um, and that will continue to be there. Um, so, no, it's, there's lots of exciting parts to this roster. Um, I'd recommend Jake Burns the day after, or it might have been the evening after, uh, the um, Washington game did a long, long thread I retweeted it. It's worth just pulling it up and reading through. He did a breakdown on every single different like position, um, every player who stocks up, who stocks down. That's just on that one game. So don't look at it and go, oh, this player's having a great camp. Why has he got him marked down? He's just talking about the single game. Did a really, really, really good breakdown. And I'd, I'd really recommend just um, flicking over there. It's about 20, 25 tweets, I would say, as a thread. But uh, 
give it a click and have a look. Yeah. Obviously, Jake Burns came on our show afterwards. Classic Jake. Didn't want to say too much on the show because he hasn't seen the tape yet. So, uh, um, but yeah, it was really good uh, catching up with uh, Jake. And uh, yeah, I've got to say, I, I love the stuff that uh, Locked on Browns did after the game. Some real good podcasts. Obviously, everything that Cleveland Browns Daily does. We've got a great community out there producing great content after wins. And as... Um, Every, I think every other podcast, we've had absolutely amazing numbers after the win. And I believe so, Jack. You're coming to stay in the spare room next weekend uh, and to watch the uh, Colts. And then we're going to go and watch Chelsea the next day. Yeah, sounds good. I can't wait. Um, so, no, it's exciting times. Um, yeah, no. Uh, we've got the Colts game at nine o'clock. Well, I've got East Hurricane Day, Colts game at nine o'clock, and then Chelsea Leicester the next day with you. So, uh, exciting times. What time's the Chelsea Leicester game? Four o'clock, maybe. Oh, lovely. So, some nice morning drinking in there as well, because uh, I'm going to be up and raring to go. Get down to the pub about uh, 11 o'clock. Okay. In true English tailgating. Well, Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure getting you on the show. Hopefully, we're going to get you more on during the season. And go Browns. Go Browns, buddy. Um, as soon as there's sort of some major news, I will be back um, doing some cap shows. But it's more just going to be hit and miss. So whenever something tasty happens, that's when I'll uh, jump on the pod and uh, have a chit-chat. Will the uh, 53-man breakdown be really key for the cap, or is it quite set? Oh, 100%, because you're going to get dead cap charges. You're going to get certain players might just get waived based on the fact that they're just not going to be worth their number. Um, so, no, there's going to be some interesting stuff around that time. Um, I'll talk about some of them on why that, that player got moved or why we go and grab another player. So who knows what decisions they're going to make. Um, but, no, it's uh, exciting times. All right, mate, you got one bit of homework for me. Try and find that tweet. I want to see how my hair's going to be surviving. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find it, um, but I'm a little bit struggling at the moment. I've, I'm just trying to go back and find the new story um, for who we um, re-signed at the end of last season. I'm literally just scrolling through the season now. I'm at sort of free agency. Um, so we've got the trades in here. Um, we're tendering well, some players. Got rid of, uh, re-signed Greg it's Robinson. Homework, mate, so you'd have to do it now. It's not oh, end of the classroom. And guys, please keep liking, subscribing, telling your friends. Oh. Numbers keep going up and up and up. So thank you so much for everyone listening. Here is the nine. And I think you might be all right here. So well, the nine players to reserve such futures list is Daniel... Ukali on the D-line, O-line, Kyle Friend, DB, Robert Jackson, running back, Devontae Mays, DB, Lenny Pipkins, O-line, Brad Seaton, DB, Tinky Sanko, wide receiver, Daniel Williams. So I think we can agree none of them are going to make it, but you might have one hero coming to your rescue. D-lineman, Devaro Lawrence. Um, is the bet just purely my hair or your hair either? Oh, my hair's already going, so uh, let's just bet your hair. <laughs> All right, excellent. There's a chance I may win a bet. But uh, 
No, it's uh, it's basically just Davara Lawrence. I would say everyone else is gone. Um, but uh, no, we just uh, said the week one game roster. So um, if any of them make them on the first day but then get waived, it's got to be on the roster for week one of the season. Do they have to be part of the 45 or can they just be on the... No, no, just on the 53 um, because um, it's just that some of those players might get kept and then within a day we pick up a wave player and get rid of them. So on week one of the season, are they on the 53-man roster? And I think you're in for a winner. Pending injury. Well, guys, thank you very much. A 45-minute podcast on a Sunday for your ears. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.